to me, it's it's about growing, getting comfortable in our own skin. Okay. Because if we are um, uh, insecure, fearful, that's going to create an atmosphere where we got to prove ourselves or we're afraid of others. And so to treat a true servant and a, a good leader, I, th I think it's imperative that we have some of those inner things worked out where there's a, a sense of rest and peace. We're comfortable with who we are. We're right. not fear of competition. And largely that comes from what we've talked about, grace-based, love-based theology. So that's, that's going to be our topic just to... To me, that's a foundation for everything because yeah. you, you can't be a good leader unless you're you're confident in, I don't mean a self-confidence, but a God confidence. That this is who I am. This is who I get to be. God's with me in this process. I'm not threatened if someone else preaches better than me. I'm not threatened by the guy down the street if his church is bigger. I just, I'm content doing what God's called me to do and loving the people around me. And that's a process. So we don't, we don't just wake up one day, get saved, and suddenly we're perfect like that. Yeah. We're growing to that maturity. But... There's some teaching out there that needs to be, that I think has been good happening in the church the past few years. We know some people have been doing it. Yes. They can comment on that. But give me your thoughts on that of, of grace, love-based theology. Well, I'm going to push, I'm going to push grace way back to your core. That's how you got invited into the kingdom. Right. Ephesians 2 says, for by grace mm -hmm. are we saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man can boast. We have a motto in our tribe, it's the cross plus nothing. Right. I want you to think about that for a minute because is it the cross plus your rules? Cross plus your regulation? <coughs> the cross because your doctrine? Or plus plus anything? It's the cross plus nothing. Right. I'm saved by grace. When you're called to lead, you're called to lead from someone who's giving you grace. And I think of the great fear in a permissional message, in a grace-filled message. Well, we can't give this guy a lot of grace. He's young. Mm -hmm. Where's the rules? Where's, the Where's discipleship? I have so many sad stories of where I felt like I had to raise up and become the the corporate cop, you know, and go at people. What helped me, probably helped you, Mike, as well, was becoming a grandpa. Mm -hmm. The difference for me between a, being a father and a grandpa is the when you're when you're in your grandpa and you got your grandpa hat on. Man, it's so much fun. You get to play with them and and laugh at them yep. and watch them, and um, and they they love. I mean, I I I've never been a real pet person like a lot of people are, but at the end of the day, most people will say the one thing they like about their their dog, their their little dog is he's so stinking faithful mm -hmm. and forgiving. Yeah, <laughs> I read a story a while back in. The guy said he left the house, which was common, and so he wrestled with the dog for a minute and pet him on the head, and the dog tail's wagging, and it's kind of like he says goodbye, and he said, I go out to the car, and I forgot something. I come back in, 
and it's like the dog started all over again. <laughs> You're back. Every time I left the house and came back in, he greeted me with the, the wagging tail and the licking tongue. And, uh, you know, we have egos. I don't know where you, if you check your ego at the door or not, but loving people is what Jesus not only modeled, but what right. he said. Right. This is the big one. Right. Love God with thy heart, mind, and soul, <laughs> and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. We have a disconnected society. We're fractured, we're loners, we're hiders, and God's calling us out to a love community mm-hmm. and a grace community. So when we, so let's get back to salvation is the way you come into the kingdom. You confess Jesus as Lord. He lived and died and rose again, and he's coming back. In that whole melee, grace has to be the core. I've done done evangelism all over the world, literally, and I've, I've always maintained a public thing where we're getting the church out of the building to the streets and all that kind of stuff. But I found as that didn't work by itself, that would become another works that we offered up to God. Right. You know, in our culture and in the church culture, you need to read more, pray more, study more, give more. Mm-hmm. You need to show up on the church work day and you need to serve the kids in the nursery. I have a pastor friend, this is kind of, kind of overlapping this thing of grace and servant leadership. I have a pastor friend, a pastor of a big church. He would always bring on staff these young Bible college students and as they're aspiring to be trained in seminary and go on to to end into the ministry. And his first job was always I want you to um I want you to clean the bathrooms and clean the toilets and and he didn't say much more about it than that. And after they did that well, he brought him into an, the next level, which was let's sit down together once a week and talk about what God's saying to you. Mm-hmm. And so what it was is the end is grace because the beginning is grace. Mm-hmm. You're a quadriplegic laying in a hospital. You can't move from the neck down. Can you walk in the kingdom? Can you serve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you worship? Yes. Can you think about God? Yes. Can you talk to your nurse about what Christ has done in your life? Yes. That comes out of, you're in a framework, right. in a context that tragically and, and hopefully most people don't have to go through. Well, I think people realize too, part of that scripture you quoted is that our works have been ordained. There, God has called us into works and he's given us the grace to do those works. That's right. You know, so easy. We, it's, it's funny, you know, we've done this before. Some days I read the Bible and it's just, it's, I feel like I'm pushing and striving and I, I feel like I'm doing it on my own. And other days I just feel like there's a grace on it. And I've often found sometimes I, I'm reading that Bible because, well, I've got to read my Bible day because you've That's got right. to read your Bible every day. And God's saying, why don't we just go have a cup of coffee and have a little prayer time? Why don't we go, you know, and just learning to run it. Uh, a, a friend of mine says, run at the pace of grace. Oh. It's learning to sense the rhythms of the Lord where um, I can do nothing by on my own. It says in John 15. I'm right, a, right. As I abide in Him, there's grace, there's favor. It's in that relationship with Him. It's in that union. I, I'm convinced that the church 
doesn't quite understand grace or salvation. Okay. You know, we're, we've, we've minimized it so much. You know, our friend Graham Cook's been so good at this, it, talking about the, uh, the need to understand the love and goodness of God and how he accepts us. We don't work to be accepted. We're already accepted. We're not working for love. We're working from love. Those phrases were life-changing for me. Yeah. And I'm so appreciative of that season because it just really shifted me where I, I stopped performing because I was very performance-oriented. And I realized I've, I've already arrived, if you will. doesn't mean I don't have things to do. doesn't mean I don't have responsibilities. doesn't mean I, 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 I still don't have uh, a desire to serve. It just means I'm accepted where I'm at, and I get to live out of that acceptance. And that was, that was a major shift, big shift for me. Well, at the end of the day, that's what it is, that um, I have things to do. I have acts of to do. I have expressions to do. I've been pastoring since I was in the early 20s and I'm in my 70s now. I know for a fact much of the early works that I did were that kind of performance orientation. Right. Uh, and that comes with the church when we're young. Well, yeah. You know, just, it's, just, it's a process you have to work out. David as a young man, as a young king, had to work it out. It's just, it's just like you said. There's, um, when we became grandfathers, things shifted for us. There's a reason it talks to First John. To, I just want to talk to you fathers. I want to talk to you, you young men. I want to talk to you children, you know. There's different levels of obedience or, or different levels of maturity and growth. Yeah, I have, I have kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. Uh, you know, he comes in my room in the morning, and does he say, Dad, uh, am I ever going to eat today? Yeah, but you need to clean your room and help clean your sister's room. And then I'll see if I give you food. <laughs> we don't we don't operate that way as fathers. And and you know what? I've always said, man, I I didn't like that reading through the Bible in a year. You know, a couple Old Testament chapters and a New Testament chapter and a Proverbs every day. I can't do that. One of the reasons why is you have unexpected guests on the weekend. And you wake up Monday morning and you're seven chapters behind. Yeah. You know. And yet some people may have grace for that. I, the guy that wrote that book probably had a lot of grace for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm wrestling. I've always been wrestling with the prayer movements that I've been a part of over the years. Right. And how to stay in this zone. We, de we developed a, a notebook that had local leaders and current leaders politically and nations and unevangelized nations. And you made it fat so you could keep yourself praying for an hour because that was the issue that Jesus had with his disciples. Could you not tarry one hour mm -hmm. when they were in the garden? And uh, over the years, God began to say the same things to me. I was man, in devotions every day. I journaled every day. I translated every day. And as I grew in my relationship of grace, it's not that I didn't do those things or didn't offer those things as things to do that glorify God, but I no longer saw them as tags. Mm -hmm. I'm now mature. Mm -hmm. I've got that reading, you know. Um, so anyway, I live in the beach area, and I'm sorry, uh, and I would drive down to the cliffs in the San Diego area every morning in my car, and over a season of life, literally years, God said, don't take your props with you when you go to meet with me. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Your props being? Props being my translations, my commentaries, uh, my perfect worship CDs to set the atmosphere in the mood in the car. So what I did, I found, and I actually didn't find this. A friend led me into this, of this principle of called Lectio Divina, mm. which means divine lecture. Mm. And what it is, is you don't read to accomplish a chunk of scripture reading. You read until he speaks. Mm -hmm. The divine lecture, the Lectio Divina. So I'd flip my iPad over my steering wheel and I, I made it real direct. I always read it in the Psalms. And I, my, my person, at that, at that time, I always read in the message translation. You guys might be using the Passion. That's a new hot mm -hmm. one. <clears throat> so I'd read until God speaks. And then I would stop reading and meditate, think through, chew the cut on the verse that God spoke to me in. And then I'd close my iPad and put it down and I'd pray it. I'd sing it. Did Jesus say you'd read till he speaks? Re I read till he speaks. And then I would process that. Later on in the afternoon, I may journal. But this wasn't mm -hmm. to get more information. This was a relational. And more than one occasion, my Holy Spirit said, Okay, shut, the, shut it up. Close your iPad. Let's talk. <laughs> Rosalind Rinker said years ago that prayer is a conversation between two people that love each other. Yeah. yeah. Picture the Papa. What we talked about being a grandfather. There's nothing like one of there's not nothing like it in the world when one of your grandkids calls up in your lap and ends up going to sleep. Yeah. And you just stare at her little face and you don't want to move. You don't want anybody to interrupt. This is a priceless mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. Yeah. For by grace yeah. are you saved through faith. Yeah. It's finished. The little booger could have been a snothead all day long. Oh, yeah. And, and, and mess, messing the house up and everything. But they do that, suddenly you forget all. Yeah, and he's got, she's got snot in her nose right then. But that's not your focus. It's this pleasure. Yeah. See yourself yeah. in that you see, that relationship was, that was the with thing the that Father. I think Graham was so good at saying, too. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. Exactly. And he sees us with eyes of love and grace and uh, acceptance. So here's the big question. We Paul battled with it. You hear it today, you know, the grace message. You know, where, where do you draw the line? Do you draw lines? You know, does sin abound because there's so much grace? And my, my simple response, just maybe you can respond to this. My simple response is God, grace is given so we don't sin. That not, not, not doesn't allow us to sin. That's right. There's a big difference. God gives me grace so I can live this life of holiness and purity. Right. It's not permission. You know, think about it. I've got grace. Now I can, boy, I can go do anything I want. What does that reveal about your heart? Okay. It's like you're, t you're taking God's grace in vain. I'm using this good thing he's given me and I'm wasting it that really exposes our intentions. But if we understand that grace gives me the authority and the power to not sin, it's very freeing. Yeah, I mean, I look at my life as being one of critical adjustments. I was laughing with one of my grandsons who is actually a youth pastor now at a church. And he went up to the camp that I visited for years when I was a kid. I was laughing with him on the phone. He said, Mo, 
Grandpa, this camp is so great. I said, yeah, I went there for years. I got saved every year. <laughs> I got called to a new mission field every year, <laughs> throwing the pine cone in the fire. What about the fact, and this is, this is an edgy one, because when you get accused of having too much grace, breezy grace, mm -hmm. giving people license, no, I go back to the cross. I go back to what Christ did for me and those key words from the cross, one of those seven statements, it's finished. Ask yourself, in your life with God, what is, what is finished? You're not finished growing. You're not finished praying, teaching, loving, reading, serving. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to your relationship with God, it is totally paid for. You couldn't pay it if you wanted to. You didn't even know how much you had a debt. So he came in and paid it all. Yeah. So that relationship it is what you're talking about, Mike. It's not just grace to get saved. It's grace to walk this walk. Mm -hmm. It's grace to be in the kingdom. It's grace to do everything. Well, to add on to those scriptures, you know, it talks about in Ephesians 2 where it says we're, we're, we're buried with him. We're risen with him. We're seated at the right hand with him. There is something about being united in union with Christ that we are actually um, pulling on the very power that rose Christ from the dead. And because of our relationship with him, we have that. So for me, it's it's been a shifting away from being um, what one author has called God con or sin conscious. Okay. We can be so focused on our sin. And, um, you know, when you fight with your sin, all you do is get con con feel condemned and, and sure, guilty. Sure. But if we turn our attention away from that and look to the provision of Christ and his ability to take us out of that, to raise us up, changes the whole playing field. Yeah, I've been, I've been mentoring disciples discipling, training, whatever, with groups particularly of guys for years. And I usually tell them up front when we get, begin a new cohort or a new season, I say, guys, I want to let you know a couple things. Number one, we don't do sin management here. Mm -hmm. And number two, I am not your pastor. It's who you're walking with. And so anyway, I, I, I think that addiction to sin management has broken particularly men in the church. Mm -hmm. We know we're unholy, we're we're jerks, you know, we're beasts, but we're also liars and hiders and I mean man well, that's the old man that's dead. Okay. That's exactly. not who we are. Well that's the point. When I go to the shame game, I even have a shame cave mm -hmm. where I lock up certain shame there. And I this grace message, I, I feel it right now, Mike, it's freeing. It's freeing, for by grace are you saved. Mm -hmm. It's not your genealogy, it's not, you know, a lot of young pastors' eyes so sad because they think their education has created their position. No, it's grace. You're positionally in Christ, end of day. Mm -hmm. And if we sin, he's faithful enough to forgive us and cleanse us from all sin. Mm -hmm. I even think we have missed interpreted repentance. I was raised in an old Pentecostal dynamic where if you went down to the altar to cry out to God, it was weeping and wailing and pounding and... You had to show you were sorry. Yeah, right. Sorrow. Convince, convince God to forgive you because yeah, you really yeah, messed uh, up. You know what, guys? I'm sorry for a lot of things I've done in my life. 
Holy Spirit is very close to tell me. And repentance for me is simply the shift of your thinking. Mm -hmm. I'm going that way and Holy Spirit says, Gary, that's not for you. And we just detour a little mm -hmm. bit. So it's, a, it's not disobedient, it's obedience at the core. The grace of God in the cross provides me with the ability yes. to face truth and reality. So in, in third day churches... Well, grace is empowering. Exactly. Not in, only does it save us, but it also empowers us to live a holy life. So again, it comes back to faith. I can trust God to overcome this sin. Even though maybe I've, I've hit it several times in my life, I keep failing. I keep trying because I believe in the Word of God that He's going to give me power to overcome this. He's going to change me. He's going to take me through situations where it breaks things in me. Strongholds are taken off. Maybe I receive prayer from someone. You know, I have a simple rule. If, if I can't deal with something on my own, I need help. Right. If God and I can take care of it, great. If I can't, I go find a friend, make a confession, have him pray for me. You know, whatever you need to do. But there's always grace. Maybe it comes from a person. Maybe it comes from, you know, a, a powerful moment in prayer. God is always there to provide for us because that's what grace did. It's, it's always available for us in the moment to do what needs to be done. Yeah, I, I, you guys, when you hear this statement I'm going to give you, you're going to struggle with it initially, but I want you to process it. Because the grace of God was manifest in Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross, and it's finished, you can't do anything to make God love you more, mm -hmm. and you can't do anything to make God love you less. Right. Man, that is so stinking sobering. It says it all. Yeah, right. For by grace are we saved through faith. And we say amen to that. Got it. Cool.